He says, if you being evil know how to give your children good gifts, right? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But his point is, you all, we're all evil. Now, how many people view themselves as evil? <laughs> right? It's like, no. And the only reason that you're raising your hand is because you know the right answer. I'm like, I know the right answer. And like, you know, <laughs> right? No, we, we, we don't view ourselves as evil. We, I make mistakes every once in a while, you know. I, I, don't, I don't always do the right thing, but I'm a good person, right? Like the title of the, this uh, famous book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Okay. There was a, a, a Jewish author who uh, lost his son. And so, of course, as Christians, we all like to come back and correct things. So someone else wrote a book saying, why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> right, because that is the truth for all of us. Right, We should not be surprised that bad things happen to, to us. We should be surprised that good things happen. Our hearts are sick. And I th- we wrestle with what the Bible says about us because we know ourselves and we think that we're good people. But Jesus said, there's no one good but God. Not no one. We can look at Romans. Paul says, there is no one righteous, no, not one. So the first thing we have to do is accept what the Bible says about us. We are sinful. We are evil. We are wicked. The imaginations of our hearts are evil continuously. As God says of the people in Noah's day. Our hearts are sick. Jesus says the reason we do not come to the light is because we love darkness rather than the light. So the reason that we consistently do things that we do, knowing that is wrong and then making justifications for it, is because we love it. We, we love our sin. Now, as good Christians, <laughs> right, we can accept that God says that's true, right? At least we say, yeah, I know, yeah, you know, God says I'm a sinner, so yeah, I'm a sinner, right? Um, but in practice, we don't really believe that, okay? Um, so number two, okay, we first have to recognize that our hearts are sick. Number two, we have to humbly recognize that there is nothing we can do to change our hearts. We have to humbly recognize that there is nothing we can do to change our own hearts. Now, this strikes at the heart of who we are as people, especially, I think, especially for men, right? Uh, We are, uh, it's not about genetics, it's about what we do. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> we love to think that I've got myself into this situation. I can get myself out. We love to talk about people who are self-made millionaires. We love it when people talk about, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. The self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Because we think we're not that bad, we just have some problems, so all we have to do is tweak ourselves just a little here and there, right? Um, if we just change this little thing about our personality or change this about the way I think or act, right? If we just get in a mirror and just say the right affirmations over and over and over again. And so we stand in the mirror and say, I am beautiful, <laughs> I'm smart. And so, so we say these things over and over and over, looking in the mirror, and we keep telling ourselves these things over and over and over again because we believe that by our own words, we can change the way we think and change our own behaviors and attitudes. This happens a lot when people go to college, right, in Growing up, sometimes people uh, are considered to be nerdy or not cool or unpopular, but, but now it's time to go to college, and, and I can create myself to be whatever I want to be. And so people go off to college, and you state different people, and, and so they, they go and get the right clothes. They try to act differently because they believe that they can make themselves be who they want to be. But the truth is, we can't even change our own hearts. We can get ourselves into trouble, but we don't have the power to get ourselves out. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Again, what I'm trying to get us to see is that after we recognize that our hearts are sick, we also have to recognize we can't do anything about that. We cannot fix ourselves. Romans 7, is everyone there? We all know uh, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, uh, Paul is talking about sanctification. Right, how we grow in righteousness, how we grow in our walk with, with Christ. Romans chapter 6, he talks about how we should be dead to sin and, and not uh, 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 present ourselves as slaves of sin again. Jesus set us free. Don't now, to jump and quote him from Galatians, don't re-enslave yourself to a yoke of bondage, right? So listen to what he says in chapter 7, though. Verse 13, he says, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, Paul was an apostle, arguably the greatest of the apostles. He had seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was was taken to heaven and was was given visions of, of things that he said he could not even come back here to speak of. And yet, Paul, in addressing sin in his own life, says, I desire to do good, but I don't find the ability to perform what I desire. I, I, I delight in the law of God with my mind, but the principle of sin in my life is, is causing me to war and struggle so that the things that I don't want to do, I still find myself doing. And the things that I, that I want to do for God, I don't do those things. And so, so I, I wrestle. And so he recognizes that he is in a place where he, he sometimes wants to do good. But sin, since he is carnal and sold unto sin like all of us, he struggles. He says he's a wretched man and he wants to be delivered from this bondage. He recognizes that he himself, the greatest of apostles, can't even free himself from the struggle of sin. Now, I know that this strikes at the heart of who we are as Americans because uh, we, we do believe in pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we believe in doing it ourselves. We feel that we can do whatever we put our minds to, or at least that's what they told us in elementary school. <laughs> but we have to recognize that spiritually we are sick. As a matter of fact, the Bible, uh, sick is not even the right word. <laughs> the word is dead. We are spiritually dead. And we are powerless in order to affect any change in our own lives apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We can get ourselves into trouble. We can get ourselves into sin, but we cannot get ourselves out because we are in bondage. Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. But as Romans chapter 6 says, whenever we decide to present ourselves to sin, we are re-enslaving ourselves to our old masters. We're free, but we keep running back to our old lover. So the third point is we have to recognize that the gospel is not how we get saved. It is how we are supposed to live. We have to recognize that the gospel is not how we get saved. It is how we are supposed to live. Now, we all recognize that we need salvation, okay? So we can accept that we are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We can recognize that. And we can recognize that we cannot save ourselves, so we need Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in order to be saved once we put our trust in him. And so we believe that once we put our trust in Jesus and we are saved, we're done with the gospel, we put the gospel on the shelf, and then we move on to more important spiritual things. But nothing can be further from the truth. The gospel is not something that we use once to get into heaven and then we put on the shelf. We as Christians need the gospel every single day, and oftentimes more so today than we did before we were saved. Because the gospel is simply this. You are a sinner. God loves sinners, so he provided a way to save them. Therefore, repent. You are a sinner, a slave to sin. God loves sinners, and he provided a way to free you, therefore, repent. Now, it's important that we get the gospel right. And so we, we talk about this a lot in, in, in Bible study, and, and I'm, I'm trying to slowly but sure you, surely bring you over to my viewpoint on this. But how do we trust the gospel? It is, is trusting the gospel like hearing a business pitch and you're like, wow, that makes sense, so let me just invest in that. Or is the gospel something that every one of us would reject unless God does a work in your heart first? Jesus says twice in John chapter 6. No one comes to my father unless he draws him. No one can come to my father unless it is granted to him by my father. Jesus says to the woman at the well, my father is seeking worshipers. See, we think that we came to God. I was seeking God, right? Sometimes we hear, you know, I remember back in the day, when I found God, I'm like, when was God lost? 
I just, I'm, you, you, you didn't find God. God found you. The gospel is saying God was in search of you and you hated him until he pursued you and changed that hate to love. Then you said yes by repenting and turning to him in faith. And that same gospel is what we need today as Christians. We are enslaved to sin. We have no ability to change ourselves. But God has promised that he who started a good work in you, he will keep working on you until the day the work is complete. God is doing the work. We have to recognize that we can't get ourselves out of trouble, but God is perpetually working on us every single day. So what do we have to do? We have to consistently repent and turn to him in faith. Now, all of us know this next scripture that we're going we're gonna to look at. I'm just going to have you quote it. 1 John 1, 9 says what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Okay. God is consistently working on, our sin, on us. At any given moment, there are literally probably a hundred sins that we're involved in. Right. That we don't even know about. Some, we, some, some things that's going on in our lives, we don't even recognize it as sin. Until someone says, well, what, what about this? You're like, oh, I, you know, I never even considered that as being wrong. Okay. I mean, this can range from, you know, taking a pack of paper clips from work I, I mean they got a whole room full of office supplies they're not gonna miss that okay I'm like well you know don't steal you know they didn't say you know don't steal anything above like five dollars you know so because we live in a post-christian society there are, are, are some huge sins that people are like, I, I just didn't recognize that that was, was wrong. Okay. It is only because the Holy Spirit puts his finger on things in our lives that we then recognize that those things are wrong and we need to turn over to God. And that's where the struggle begins. See, we, we target things that we believe are a nuisance, okay? So I'm, I'm involved in this activity, and now I'm tired of this. I'm ready to move on to my next sin. And, I mean, my next, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm done with this, God. So, Lord, let me just give this to you, and I can move on. We don't change much with that approach because all we're doing is comp is compensating. Okay, well I'm I'm done with this. 
oh yeah, I'm get, I, you know, I'm victorious in my spiritual walk because I stopped doing this. Oh well, what did you start doing though? And what what are you still doing? See, but when the Holy Spirit puts His fit, I want that, right? And you you realize it's a struggle. You're like, well, it's not, you know. Well, Lord, you know, it, it, and so we start making. Well, what do you think? You think this is a big deal, girl? That ain't serious. See, I talk to I talk to spiritual people that I trust, and Lord, you know, nobody sees this is wrong. Okay, so when you when you're doing that, you know the, the whole that that's what the Holy Spirit is asking for, right? When he when he puts his finger on something, and you start wrestling with it, you know what God wants. Right? Some of us have been in relationships, and you was like, well, you know, it's it's not that bad. No, no, no I, mm, I want him. I'm like, well, what you want from him, Lord? <laughs> I want you to give them up. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, see, I, you know, I'm, I, you know, but if, if I just keep dating him, he can get saved. <laughs> we, you know how Christians do, you know. We, we do evangelism through dating. <laughs> We are powerless to change ourselves. We need the gospel. We need to every single day come back to God and repent. When God puts his finger on something, when he wants something in our lives, and he says, give me that, we need to repent. We need to turn away from that thing and turn to God. We need the gospel every single day. Now, these three things um, tend to be things that we can at least cognitively accept. We can accept that we are sinners. Okay, we 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 all at some level, even though um, we don't perceive ourselves that way. We can accept that God says these things are true about us. And we can even accept that we don't have the ability to change ourselves, right? I mean, if, if we had the ability to change ourselves, we would have stopped, you know, a long time ago. But some of us, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, like, you know, I'm just still struggling with, the, you know, the Lord is going to take it one of these days. <laughs> right. We recognize we don't really have the power to fix ourselves. We just kind of mask things. And that's why at some point, you know, we just come to church and, and look good. If I can't be good, I'm gonna just look good. You know, oh, yeah, you know, that. look at, oh, man, he's just a great pastor, great father. I bet they don't argue at all. <laughs> okay we 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 just project the image that everything is great because we know we can't change who we are we can even accept the fact that we need the gospel every single day that we should be be in a perpetual lifestyle of repentance when god 
puts his finger on something, when he makes us feel convicted about certain things, right? The Holy, that's the Holy Spirit's job, to convict us of sin. When we feel convicted, we recognize, you know what, God? I, I confess that. I turn away from that. I turn, that to, turn to you. But we feel like we're consistently repenting and turning over the same thing year after year after year. Why is that? Why do we go and, 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 and buy books, tapes, CDs, go to conference about how to have the victorious Christian life? And the truth be told, we're not living it. We come and tell each other, oh, man, you know, God is so awesome. Let me tell you what God said to me. And, and, and in the back of our minds, we all know the struggles that we have that we're hiding from each other. Because we know the right things, but for some reason, it's not sinking down into our hearts, which means it's not changing our behavior. So, last three things. What's my fourth point? <laughs> it's going to come to me. Point number four. You have to. <laughs> Point number four is. I can't remember this number four or number five. This is going to come back. <laughs> After we recognize that we need the gospel, what we need to realize is we must perpetually ask the Holy Spirit to change our desires. That's number four. We have to consistently be asking the Holy Spirit to change our desires. Now, remember, we don't live the Christian life by our own power, right? We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to, you should still be in Romans chapter 8. I want you to look at two passages real quick. Romans chapter 8, right? If there is any change at all in our Christian lives, it will be because of a close walk that we have with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, Paul moves on into Romans chapter 8 when he says, O wretched man, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He starts in Romans chapter 8 talking about how there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay. Now, listen to what he says. I'm only going to read down to verse 11. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, okay, but according to the Spirit. Okay. There's no condemnation for those who 
don't walk according to the flesh, but they walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of, Christ, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So we could not live perfectly according to God's law in order to be freed from sin. So Jesus, God sent his son to die on the cross for us so that he can set us free. Verse four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live, in, live according to the flesh, they what? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. So those people who are, who are carnal, who live according to, to, their, to their flesh, their physical needs, they have carnal mindsets. You, you, you think like the world, you love the things of the world, and therefore you live like the world. Okay, But those who live according to the spirit, you can import these words, set their minds on the things of the spirit. So you develop a spiritual mindset. The things that God loves, the things that God desires, the things that God commands. You renew your mind in these things. And because you have a are developing a spiritual mindset, you start to live in a different way. Okay. He goes on to say, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, right? There's strife between a carnal mindset or earthly mindset and God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God. You cannot please God apart from Christ, apart from the Spirit, apart from developing this spiritual mindset. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, who dwells in you. Now you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. Paul's point is simply this. We cannot change ourselves, save ourselves. We need Christ. But the spirit of Christ, once we put our trust in him, comes to live inside of us. And so now you can continue in this, even though there's no condemnation, for you, right? You will not go to hell, right? If you have the spirit in you, you can continue to live in a with a carnal mindset, right? Thinking and living like the world, or you can develop a spiritual mindset, thinking and living like God. If you continue 
with this carnal mindset, you will die. Because the wages of sin is death. That doesn't change for Christians. There's some of us, Paul talks about 1 Corinthians 11, communion. You know, everybody shouldn't take communion. You might want to examine yourself. You know what, Pastor? This month, I'm just going to skip it. I'm not even going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to just get myself right with God. Because he says, some of us eat and drink damnation to our own souls. And therefore, some of us are sick. Some of us are weak. And some of us even die. But if you walk in the spirit, you develop this spiritual mindset, the spirit for you is life and peace. Okay, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Now, all of us, again, are probably familiar with this passage of spirit of, um, of scripture uh, on the fruit of the spirit. What I'm trying to get us to see is in order for us to change, because we can't change our own hearts, we need the Holy Spirit to do the change. Okay. Paul says, verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. Okay, so the spirit is inside of you. The spirit wants you to do something. Your flesh also wants you to do something. And so these two are wrestling, so you can't do what you know you should do. Okay. He goes on to say, verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and so he says it. If you if you want to know if you are living according to the flesh, okay, here's your categories. All right, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Okay, so. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, they didn't name none of my stuff and the like. Okay, so if you, if you got anything that could be, you know, put on this side of the equation, you know, there you go. <laughs> All right, we want to be inclusive. Okay. <laughs> okay. He says, <laughs> and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It, if you live according to the flesh, this is what your life is characterized as. You will not be going to heaven. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are, are Christ have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now, 
If you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. The idea here for walk, this word, um, Greek word peripeteo, it just, li- it just means it's not deep. Just put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It, it's talking about consistency. Right? It's talking about a relationship. You have to have a consistent relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and so my point is, is that if you want your heart to change, you should be asking God, I mean, just talk to him. Sometimes I talk, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I just, I just don't. I, I, I know I'm wrong. I don't feel like apologizing to Janita. I just don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I yelled at the kids. They was getting on my nerves. I shouldn't have yelled at them, Lord, but, you know. Pride says, well, just buy some flowers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so you have to pray. God, change my heart. I, I can't t- take the pride out of my own heart. I, I can't, I can't, I can't root out the selfishness in my own heart. I can't root out the laziness in my own heart. I can't, I can't stop the adulterous heart because, the, the, no, the, no, I'm not committing adultery because I want to. It's because I have an adulterous heart. I, I was an adulterer a long time ago. It just eventually worked its way out of my character. Lord, you got to deal with the adultery that's in my heart. I'm I'm a rebellious person at heart, Lord. That that that's why I can't be on any ministries. You know, I can't, you know, I can't do this. It's like it's always conflict, always a problem. Lord, I need you to deal with the rebellion in my heart. I can't change myself. If you walk in the spirit, let us also live in the spirit. And as we are consistently telling the Holy Spirit that we are failing, we can't change ourselves, and we ask him to empower us, we will start to see, well, you know what? A week went by, and I didn't do that. You know what? It's it's been a month, and I didn't even have any desires to do that. And you'll start to seeing love and joy and peace and patience. You know, I was able to drive home, you know, today, and I ain't even yelling at nobody for cutting me off. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can do it two days in a row. <laughs> okay. So we recognize we can't change ourselves, so we have to cry out to the Holy Spirit to change our desires and help us to desire the things that please him. And then we'll start seeing his character, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? All of those things sprouting in our lives. A little bit at a time, right? But we'll start to see progress. Number five. Now, here's the hard part. We can get, oh, yeah, you know, from time to time I can pray. You know, Holy Spirit, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. He work on my tongue. Okay, I could I could do that. Now here's the the hard part. Okay, how did 
Michael Phelps become an eight-time gold medalist swimmer? Practice. Discipline. Okay. How does a basketball player become the best? Practice. Discipline. Michael Phelps, would, he would eat 10,000 calories a day. Pizza, subs, all kinds of stuff. He would just shovel it all in. Because he would swim laps for eight hours a day. He disciplined himself to get up early in the morning and just start swimming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Most professional athletes, they don't sleep until 9 or 10. Mm, maybe what am I going to do today? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I'll go out and dribble the ball a couple times today. And, uh, you know, they, they don't do that. They have a set plan. They know 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to be in the court by this time, I'm going to spend this number of um, hours doing this, I'm going to dribble this, you know, I'm going to shoot this number of free throws, I'm going to do that. They have a, a, a regimen, a schedule. They discipline themselves so that they can be the best at what they do, right? Paul says that physical exercise benefits little, but godliness benefits for all things. Paul says that he would buffet his body. He would discipline his body so that after he has preached to others, he would not be disqualified. Right. So it's easy to get up and just give sermons. Yeah, you know, the Bible says such and such, such, such. And then go home. Like, did you read your Bible this week? No, nah, I just practiced. For, I'm prepared for my sermon. Do you pray this week? No, nah, I didn't have time to pray this week. Um, so tell me again why we should listen to you. You, you, <laughs> you in danger of being disqualified, sir. You, you, you don't want to preach and tell other people what to do, but not be practicing this, these things yourselves. Because when you get into a situation, you're going to be disqualified because your life is not going to match up with your words. So what do we have to do? We have to practice spiritual disciplines. Okay. So... Great books. I might as well tell you about them now. All right. First one, A Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Oh, this is a great book. Great book. I got all my notes underlined and, like, need to work on this. <laughs> okay. So table of contents, right, he, he lists out for you all of these spiritual disciplines. He says, number one, you can write these down. I don't have my notes, so I had to use the <laughs> table of contents. <laughs> number one, meditation. I'm not talking about, you know, sit on the floor. Um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? But the idea of meditation is uh, the word for or the Hebrew word um, for a meditation comes from the idea of what a, a, a cow, how a cow chews. You know, a cow has several stomachs. So what they do is they, they, they chew 
up grass, right? But they, their bodies can't process it all, so they, they chew on it for a while, swallow it, right? Regurgitate it back up, chew on it some more, swallow it, bring it back up, chew on it some more, okay? So that's what you should be doing with Scripture, The Bible says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. You don't have to read large portions of, of Scripture, right? Now, I tell you, read, you know, read three to five chapters a day. You'll read through the whole Bible in a whole year. But, but you may not, not want to read through the whole Bible in a whole year. You may find one verse that sticks out to you while you're reading. And all day long, you, you can be thinking about, mm, what does that mean? What about in this situation? You know, who, what, when, where, why, and how? <laughs> okay. Just start thinking. <laughs> all the people in subgroup mad at me about that. But. Right. You got to start thinking through Scripture. What does this mean? What, what, what is this saying? You all, I told you about uh, myself growing up. I had low self-esteem. Um, and I, I still remember the summer of 97, right, was in working in the uh, the library downtown on Cathedral Street. And, you know, they had five stories underground. So I'm un I'm, uh, I don't know what floor I was on underground, but I'm in there, like, looking through these old stacks. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on Ephesians 1, 6. And just, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't pick it. It just, for some reason, started coming to my mind. And I just kept, you have been accepted in the beloved. You have been accepted in the beloved. I'm like, you know what? I, I've been accepted in Christ. Like, and, and literally, it just kept going over and over and over and over in my mind for two or three days. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm below ground in the stacks. Some people probably thought I was crazy. I'm in there crying. Thank you, God. <laughs> right? It finally hit me that no matter how I feel about myself, no matter what other people think about me, I have been accepted in Christ. Now, because I'm an extreme person, right, I'm on the, you know, extreme. I'm like, I don't care what y'all think. I'm like, and I, <laughs> and some people are like, yo, you should care a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I don't care at all. I'm like, I'll be going out there. Some people are like, man, he's like, you be saying stuff that we, you be like, oh, I'll be scared to say that at my church. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to tell the truth. I don't care if you leave. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I got to work on that. <laughs> okay. But meditation. How often do you reflect on scripture? Right? If like Ephesians chapter 5 says the water, the word is like water that cleanses us, right? If we have profane hearts, tainted minds, as we are meditating on scripture and memorizing scripture, Scripture is scrubbing our minds clean. Number two, prayer. How often do we pray? And I don't mean over your food. <laughs> how, how much time do we pray? Are we constantly praying? And I'm not saying, God heal me. God fix this. God do that. How, how often do you take the time to just talk to God? 
God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for all of these things. You know, you are great. You're, you're, you know, how often do you just talk to God? You know, and the way I taught Caitlin Karras is you hear ambulance, ambulance, I mean, uh, uh, fire department is right at the bottom of my street. Eventually, he got tired of this. I'm like, we got to pray again. <laughs> all right. But I start him off with, you know, oh, somebody's sick. Somebody's hurting. Let's pray for them. Right. And so now it's just a, a habit. We be in the car. Police car goes by. Turn the radio down, daddy. <laughs> okay. it's, it becomes a habit. They learn to just pray on the spot. Okay. Fasting. Fasting. How often do we fast? <laughs> Probably ne- never. Never, never. But see, the the point behind fasting is about developing control over your body. Your body is in control of you. I can we can tell, okay? All right, you wake up in the morning. Y'all took that the wrong way. That's not that was not the end of the sentence. That was like, you know, there was a, a like a comma there. All right. We can tell because okay. You wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm late. I'm late. Well, I still got to go to get my coffee and donuts. <laughs> and they were like, oh, boss, it was so much traffic. I'm like, no, you just late and still went to get your coffee and donuts. <laughs> Lunchtime rolls around. Okay. You're like, I'm a fast. I'm not going to eat. And you find yourself, oh, man, I ate and I was supposed to be fasting today. Right. You start getting headaches. Like, oh, I can't fast because I got it. I got it. Ooh, I got this headache. Your body is controlling you. You need to, I don't care if I have a headache. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to get control of my body. Now, it, for those of you who have, have fasted for any length of time, you know, after three days, your body stops bothering you. On the, after the third day, you stop getting real hunger pains. The headaches stop, you know, and you're free to go, right? Um, but fasting tells you what is controlling you. Some of us don't need to fast from food. Some of us need to fast from a radio, the TV, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> okay, CNN, MSNBC, okay, the Housewives of America, <laughs> okay. Okay. Number four, running out of time, study. How often do you study the Bible? Many of us memorize uh, what 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How often do you have time where you just specifically set aside to sit down, look at a passage of Scripture, and find out, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay. That, I'm like, I don't know how to study scripture. Did you go to elementary school? Because they told you, just ask six questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay. You answer those six questions, you got like 75% of what you need to know. All right. So study. Those are what Richard Foster calls inward disciplines. Meditation, prayer, fasting, study. 
Now he for outward disciplines. Number one, uh, this is number six. I'm sorry. This is chapter six. This is number five. Simplicity. Some of us, the reason that we cannot grow in our spiritual walk with the Lord is because we're doing too much. Oh, I can't do that, Pastor, because I got to take the kids to soccer on this day. Next day, I got to take them to karate this day. Then I got to take them to choir practice this day. I'm like, man, bless you. Y'all real busy. You, I, I don't have time to pray. How you don't have time to pray? You can just walk and pray. I don't have time to read the Bible. I, I'm just so busy. You need to cut some things out of your schedule. Simplicity. Cut back on the things that we're doing. Some of us, the reason we can't cut back is because we are addicted to buying too many things. And so the reason that we're constantly working and doing all of these and doing all of these these practices is to keep the finances coming in to keep doing all of this stuff. But if we cut back and live a more simple life, cut back on all of our spending and shopping, right? You know, so the you know the, the ten pair of shoes that you have, you know, let that last you. You know, you don't need that 11th pair. (laughs) Instead of taking four vacations this year, maybe we should only take two. And and, and you you just paid off your car. You hear that noise? (laughs) Oh, man, I got to go get another one. No, no, take that, take that three, four, five hundred dollars a month and, and save it, put it aside so that you don't have to keep working all these jobs to keep it all going. Simplify your life. Number six, solitude. Solitude. You just need to be quiet. For some of us, we don't have solitude because we talk too much. For some of us, solitude means I need to get away. It's always noise and, you know, always something. I just, I just can't have peace. I need to just get away for a while. It could be for an hour. It could be for two hours. It could be for a day. I just need to get away. It could be just as I'm driving to work, just turn the radio off. Why are you constantly having noise? You just need quiet so that you can think and concentrate. <laughs> What's this, number seven? Submission. I'm going to just say that and keep moving. What's number eight? (laughs) Number eight. (laughs) Service. 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 Some of us. The reason we cannot grow spiritually is because we're so self-absorbed we cannot serve and help other people. Maybe we put our schedules to the side, 
and go do something for someone that we cannot, they, they can't benefit us in return. Okay, service. Um, number nine, confession. Confession. You know, sin works best in the dark. Sin works best in the dark. So confession says, you know what, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need you to help me with this. So, that, you know, the next time you see me in here eating donuts, I need you to just smack it out my hand. <laughs> okay. And only one person has taken me seriously on that. One day I was, was, I was like, oh, I'm about to eat this donut. And Seth walked up behind me and was like, pow. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what you do that for? <laughs> I ain't going to confess no more. <laughs> it's like, no. right? but, but confession, so that someone can hold you accountable. Someone can call you and say, hey, man, you know, I was just thinking about you. You know, how's that going? You know? Now, when they call and be like, how's it going? Don't be like, yeah, everything's great. And they tell it, man, I, I slipped. I messed up. All right, man, well, don't worry about it. You know, a, set, a righteous man falls seven times, but they get back up. I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to encourage you. Right? Confession so that people can hold us accountable. Um, Ten, worship. Worship. Now, by worship is something that we think we do but we don't always do okay because we think worship is listening to gospel music <laughs> okay when worship is actually interacting with god okay so sometimes we're listening to gospel music but we're thinking about mm, what i gotta get from the grocery store oh when i get to work i gotta do this oh i forgot Right. Take the, your time out to engage God with everything, mind, will, emotions, everything. OK, that's genuine worship. And it is not about Sunday, the first 15 minutes of church. Right. We have to learn how to see our entire lives as worship. Quickly moving on. Guidance. All right. Seeking other people's advice. What do you think about this? So and third 12. When am I on? Yeah. Worship. Eleven is guidance. Twelve is celebration. Now, we think celebration in one way, but historically the way we uh would see celebration is in the worship service. So the idea of celebration is church attendance, okay? Um, we get this idea because of the, the, the word for Eucharist, okay? The, um, the word um, that the, the Catholic Church uses for communion, Eucharist. The, I, the, the word there means to celebrate, okay? Um, so the, the idea is us coming together corporately to praise and worship God for the for during the Reformation time, they would have put an emphasis on the word, prayer, and the sacraments, right? So we, we say communion, right? Um, but the word, prayer, and the sacraments is uh, is the idea. So as we as we come together, 
to hear the word, to fellowship with one another, to praise God corporately, right? That transforms us. Now, the reason that I say that this is the hard part is because we don't like discipline. We just don't like it, right? We don't like, all right, I'm, on Wednesday, I'm a fast. I'm a fast every Wednesday, <laughs> okay? I wanna do, we, don't, we don't like sticking to these things. We like to be free and spontaneous, okay? If you like to be free and spontaneous, you cannot develop much spiritual maturity. You have to set a routine and stick to it over and over and over and over and over again. Just like Michael Phelps became great because he had a routine and he just did it over and over and over and over and over again. Just like professional athletes, they have a routine, they do it over and over and over and over and over again. You must do the same thing in the spiritual life. Right. We can't just like, fill me, Lord. Woo, I, I got it. All right, now I can live. That's not how it works, okay? You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working, but you must also work, okay? And it will take us being consistent doing this repeatedly over and over and over again throughout our lifetimes that the Holy Spirit will not only change our hearts, but also our You must fake it until you make it. Now, I use that phrase uh, kind of facetiously um, because <laughs> I tell people, you have to do what you know is right, even if you don't feel like doing it. And I repeatedly get this phrase, oh, you saying I need to fake it till I make it? I ain't fake. I don't want to do something just because I know it's right. I want to do it because I feel it. And I'm like, you don't want to be spiritually mature. <laughs> hey, look. When I didn't want to give, right, I'll I, I tell you, like, you know, struggling. We have kids. Janita doesn't work. I'm working two jobs, and I'll go to church, and I hear God say clearly. I preached. They take up an offering. I'm like, all right, I could buy some diapers or something. And I hear the Lord say, give it back. I'll be like, Lord, was that you? I don't think I heard the Lord clearly. I'm like, Janita, do you? You know, I heard this. What you think, Janita? <laughs> All right. So what did I have to start doing? It wasn't in my heart. I needed diapers. You know, I, need, I needed stuff for the kids. So what did I start doing, in, in, intentionally doing? Just giving. Just giving. Up. Oh, that, that's from the Lord. I'll be sitting there sometimes about to go write an offering check for either, either my, my, um, the, um, my the old, my old church, or if I'm at another church, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know I'm, I'm going to give. I give a certain amount every time I go somewhere, and then I hear a number, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm be like, and I'm like, 
that's got to be the Lord. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble with Janita. <laughs> just write the check and just give it. <laughs> right? And I sleep on the couch later. Right? So you you start start giving. So now giving is a part of my nature. I, I don't, I don't. I don't even think about it. Doesn't even matter the amount. Just it all belongs to him anyway. People, they can, you know, they can, you know, get on your nerves sometimes, you know. But I practice, you know what? The people who who bother me the most, those are the ones I'm I'm gonna give my attention to, I'm gonna help with, I'm gonna give to them. I'm I'm and so I start treating people who don't treat me the way I want to be treated, I start treating them with extra grace. So now it's it's easy to love my enemies. Because when I didn't want to, I kept doing what I knew was right until it became my desire. So so you find the thing that you don't want to do. And you keep practicing that thing over and over. If you want, ah, I don't feel like being fake. Be fake. Fake it till you make it. When, when God says love your enemies, I don't want to. Do it anyway. Put a little extra on it. <laughs> All right, God said, man, he said bottom a loaf of bread. Bottom two. <laughs> Start doing what you know is right, even though you don't feel like it, and eventually you will start seeing that you love to do it because the Holy Spirit will change your desire to love doing those things because it is him working in you to produce his character and the things that he desires. And if we consistently do these things over and over and over again, eventually you'll be able to look back and say, wow, I, when did my heart change? When did my desire change? I don't, I don't even want to do those. I don't even, why, would I, why would I even think about doing that stuff before? You will see that you have changed and won't even know it. But it's going to take recognizing that your heart is sick it's going to recognizing that you can't fix yourself recognizing that you need the gospel every single day praying and asking the holy spirit to change your heart and mind and desires consistently practicing the spiritual disciplines every single day not every single one every day but every day try to do something right well even if it's meditation or scripture studying or whatever and then the desires the the actions that you don't want to do do it anyway and what you'll see is that god will honor your 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 initial small desire to do the right thing and he'll have that grow by changing your heart Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to come together again. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in each of our hearts. Lord, help us to see that just because we are saved, that doesn't mean that we are any different than the day that we were saved. 
Apart from you, we will still be dead in our trespasses and sins. It is only because of your spirit that we can do the little bit of good things that we do to please you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to rely on you every single day. Help us every single day to preach the gospel to ourselves, helping us to see that we still fall and we still sin, but you have an abundance of grace for sinners. And if we would just come to you and ask for for forgiveness and come to your throne, we can find grace and help in our time of need, as we see in Hebrews chapter 4. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to rely on you, talk to you, pray and ask you to change us, but also help us to do our part. The truth is, all of us, including myself, Lord, we are way too spiritually lazy. So we need to discipline ourselves for godliness, as Paul says. Help us to to buffet our bodies, to discipline our bodies through the disciplines that we just discussed. And I pray, Lord, that as we consistently practice these things, Lord, we will continue to see more and more growth in righteousness and in holiness. We pray even now, Lord, that you would change our hearts and desires. We thank you that you have given us a new heart the moment we were saved. But Lord, we allow even that new heart to start being crusted over with hardness because of our sin. We pray by your spirit that you would begin to peel back all of the layers of of hardness that we have allowed over the years in our spiritual life and allow us to have a soft, tender heart towards you again. Lord, I pray that as we practice these spiritual disciplines and walk in the spirit, Lord, that you'll allow us to see the growth and spiritual maturity that we desire so that we can please you in all things. We thank you now for all these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.